What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. Amen, amen. Well, welcome. I am so sorry that we didn't think you guys would come because we did not put those curtains back far enough. So for all of you guys who have to sit in the front row, at least it's not as bad as the movies. Don't you hate when you're in the movies and you have to walk like that? That is the worst. I just leave. I'm like, I ain't about that life. Um, but we're so glad that you guys are here. We're obsessed with Jesus. We're, a, we're kind of a new church. We're three years old, so we're just learning how to walk and talk as a church, and we're super excited about that. We do a lot of ministry um, just in this city, and especially ASU Polytech, and we're excited about making much of Jesus. And really, our heartbeat is to pursue the life and lifestyle of Christ in Queen Creek. That's what we're all about. Now, I love this passage. We're going to be looking at John 10, actually 1 through 11, but I realize that's a lot of reading out loud, so we just read together 7 through 11. And I love it because this passage talks about us as sheep. It's a constant theme throughout Scripture that we are sheep. Now, I know we're in Queen Creek, but Queen Creek's not what it used to be. Ten years ago, if I said, who's been with sheep, every hand would be raised. But we've gotten a little bit city around here. So I'm a little bit nervous if you guys have actually been around sheep before. Let me tell you, I grew up with llamas, and I praise God we were not called those. Have you seen llamas? They poop out of their mouth for a living. They go, and when you hear that noise, if you take anything away today, run. That's, that's the biggest wisdom. I did not run. I was like, I, I was 16 and I had to go shear the llamas. That was Queen Creek living. And uh, they sheared me with something. So anyways, sheep, praise God, we're called sheep, but sheep are also like, come on, God, I know you love us. Why do you call us sheep? I think it's really helpful for us to know this before we really dive into this passage. Why, why sheep? Well, sheep, I think, first of all, love to travel in groups. They love community. And we as humans, we can't help but be together. This is a truth that we love. And that's why we love being in a church where we can help each other out. They also love a good traffic jam. Amen. The other day, (laughs) so cool. I was in Queen Creek. And I actually, Caleb, you weren't there, but I was on the phone with you, right? He he hates it, but I call him all the time. And I'm like, hey. So I was talking, I said, Caleb, guess what? He's like, what? And I was like, there's sheep all over the road. Like there's a real traffic jam. Have you guys seen those Facebook videos? You know, the shepherd's like trying to get the sheep out of the road. I'm like, it's here in Queen. And so he said, that is so Queen Creek. And I said, no, that is so Queen Creek. I think we had a little bit of a different view of that being so Queen Creek. I love that. Um, Probably because we don't know how to shut up. There's probably a lot of reasons why we're called sheep. I think the main one though, is that we can't help but follow. Sheep, for a living, they follow each other. And the reality is they're following either what leads them to life or leads them to death. And I think we have to admit, as humans in the 21st century, we have tried to believe that we don't follow anybody, that we are original, that we are individuals, which is now super unoriginal. Because all of us say we're individual, but yet we also find that we're all kind of still doing the very same things. Despite our greatest efforts in the 21st century, we still see that history repeats itself. We still see that there's a lot of evil in this world. Despite us saying there is no more evil, there still seems to be a lot of hurt. This morning, for example, in Sri Lanka, those bombings. Despite our greatest efforts, our lives continue to turn to the worse. So I love Jesus here when he said in this passage that if you follow these other ways, it's the way of the thief and they will kill, still and destroy you. But if you follow Jesus... It's full of life and life in abundance. If you're new here, I have a problem. I rhyme a lot. Now, 
I'm so proud of myself, guys, because this is the only line that I rhyme the whole time. Did you see that? I told you I rhyme. Point number one, write this down. It really helps us to understand the rest of this passage. I'm screaming too much. I'm sorry. We all choose a way to take up and follow because of our need to fill what is hollow. This is the reality of the human condition. So in Easter, it used to, I used to think, okay, follow Jesus. You need to start following something. But I think the difference, what I'm going to start saying today is you are already following someone or something. My question to you is, I would love for you to examine your life. Is what you are following truly leading to an abundant life or is what you're following, even though you hate to admit it, it break, makes you even more hollow. It steals even more from you. And this is the message of Easter. Jesus, the master of intentionality, he juxtaposes, I like using juxtapose, go Google it. He juxtaposes his way with the ways of the world. And he shows how only his way is the right way. He's trying to paint a picture that we are all following something. The reality is if it's not Jesus, it, you will wind up your life being stolen, being killed and being destroyed. So it's clear that Jesus's words here might actually be right. I think we're in a culture today, despite our greatest efforts, depression is skyrocketing. The political climate is terrifying. There are bombings, a lot of issues. I think we could all agree something is not right. And Jesus is saying, if you don't follow my way, it will never get right. So I want us to spend the rest of our time. Hopefully it'll be quick. Never trust a pastor when he says that. And um, we're just going to work through the different ways that Jesus is alluding to here and um, which way is the right way. Verse one again, it says, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in, this is the big phrase here, some other way, is a thief and a robber. The ways of the world are this other way. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Notice the sheep following. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. I love this, this beautiful, this personal relationship we have with Jesus. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Oh, may that be of us as well. Jesus gave them his figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And this is what we read together. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I think it's helpful for us to understand what are some other ways that the sheep were trying to get into the pasture. I think the pasture here is a picture of peace, this picture of what we were actually created for. What, is, what are the other ways? Well, during this time, we have to know, um, you guys heard of Alexander the Great. He did a lot of incredible stuff where he actually influenced not only the Greek culture, but all of culture. And so the Jews during this time were actually what you call Hellenism, this Hellenistic culture. The Greeks infiltrated everywhere. And so people started to believe Greek things. So this was even the Jews. So I believe, it's very clear in history, some of the people that were in the crowd that Jesus was teaching this truth to, some of them were probably adherents to the Epicurean way of life. Epicurean. This was named after the philosopher, the Greek philosopher. They kind of started this in 307 BC. Here was their belief. Pleasure is your highest aim, and you don't need to fall into the trap of divinity and superstition. Just whatever feels good, run after it. 
And when Jesus was talking to these people, there was a bunch of people living this way. I call this way of life the way of self-discovery, and it dominates our society today. Now, Paul, the other passage I almost preached on today was 1 Corinthians 15. He lays out this beautiful picture of the gospel, but I love Paul. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look, if Jesus did not actually rise from the grave, if he said all these things died on the cross, but then stayed there, we are the most to be pitied. Why are you here? In other words, we should not be in church if the, if the grave uh, is still full. Uh, I've never heard it that way. If the grave isn't empty, then we shouldn't be here. Paul goes on to say, if the dead aren't raised, just like we just sang, if there is actually no hope that Jesus was just a fake like the rest of us, then he says, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. This actually, Jesus, I mean, Paul quotes here the Epicureans. The Epicureans phrase, you know, like Chick-fil-A, eat more chicken, amen? Their phrase was, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul was saying, this is the good life, if Jesus was a liar. But Jesus says this way leads to death. How come? Well, we're saying this morning because Jesus actually did raise from the grave. But here's point number two. Oh, it's going to be so good, guys. Ready? The way of self-discovery says, freedom is my faith. This is so much of our culture today. Every single one of us believes something. And many of us think our greatest aim in life is to be free and do whatever we want whenever we want to. How is that working? If you follow this way, you kind of adhere to this thought of, I may do anything. Like, uh, we, I was raised in a house where my dad told me, you're going to be the greatest thing ever. I thought I was going to be better than Michael Jordan. Lord, help me. He should have told me the truth way sooner, right? Amen. Uh, wow. I should have just looked at the height of my mom. She's five foot. There was no way I was going anywhere. But I believe that. Right? I think I can do anything. And some of that is helpful, but a lot of it is so hurtful. This is what's marketed to us the most. Adventure is out there. I actually have one of those maps that says that. Adventure's out there as I'm sitting in my office. You know, it's out there. Um, we, I, people love to just travel. I, I mean, imagine some of you may have done this, and it's not necessarily bad, but it's not the answer to all things. I know a lot of people say, just after you graduate college, just take a year and go find yourself. You're right there. What do you mean find yourself? But what they mean is like, go to the Eastern cultures, go, go find. I'm like, what are you going to find there? And we think, oh, that's how I'm holistic. And that's a lie many of us believe. Now, are all these things bad? No, but it's a really bad thing to put your faith in. We also, you guys know the Dumb and Dumb, any Dumb and Dumber fans? Did you think we quote Dumb and Dumber? Of course we will. Resurrection is true. Now, remember when they're talking together and he's like, man, there's no jobs. Yeah, not unless you want to work 40 hours a week. Remember that phrase? We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pants heads are falling off, right? This is so much of us. It's like, I want freedom, but I have to work. Not unless you want to work 40 hours a week, right? Like we don't see, we want freedom above all things. We don't want to commit to anything. And we all wear shirts that say, I'm not adulting today, right? And I, guys, I go to Disneyland like once a month. So I'm this, okay? So I'm not trying to say you're terrible. I'm terrible. Pray for me. But here's the reality. Freedom is fleeting. I think we're starting to figure that out in our society today. Freedom is fleeting. We crave, here's what happens. We crave comfort so much that we kill all commitment. But what happens when we kill commitment is we kill purpose. So we are in a culture today that's, I get to do anything, but I don't want to do anything. I, don't, I haven't found what I truly want to do. Plato, not the stuff you play with, um, like Socrates, Plato, Greek philosopher, anyways, 
Um, that one didn't land trade. Don't use it again. Okay, now, <laughs> Plato warned us that too much freedom leads us to not enough meaning, and thus anxiety would roll in. Do we not have an anxiety problem? I would argue, yes, so much of it, there is a mental health aspect that even if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you're not going to ever get depressed. I hate walking into this landmine, but at the very same time, I would argue that a lot of us have anxiety because we're pursuing freedom without any commitment. We're pursuing something thinking, I, I just need whatever I want. That's actually not what's best for you. When you think you can do anything, you wind up not doing much of anything. There's no depth. You run when it's tough. Now, for me, I pursue self-discovery. This message here isn't to say, you lose. Now, it's to say, look, this actually way still kills and destroys your life. For me, when I pursue self-discovery, I wind up being self-distracted. I just like, I'd rather than pursue the pain, I'd rather just watch something else, right? I'd rather go, I don't want to be silent. I don't want to confront my pain. I'd rather avoid it. But that actually, for me, is one way that anxiety keeps to come in. Here's the reality. Comfort may avoid the cross, but it cannot avoid depression. And we're trying to run away from these things, but we're, we're still having issues. We think we're so original. They're struggling with this thousands of years ago, and we still struggle with it today. Now, again, Jesus was talking about, you need to follow the way of life. Follow me. I am the shepherd. I am the gate. Go through me, and you'll have life. But if you go any other way, it will lead to death, to stealing, killing, and destroying your life. Another Greek philosophy during that day that I think is starting to make a resurgence in our culture is that of Stoicism. You ever heard of Stoicism? Wow, Marcus Aurelius, exactly. So Stoicism, college students, they think they know everything, huh? Because <laughs> they do. All right, I didn't even have that in my notes. I don't know who that is, so I'm gonna act like I know. Uh, Stoicism <laughs> began around 300 BC as well. And here's what they decided. They looked at Epicurean and said, pleasure is not your meaning. Pleasure and feelings can't be trusted. In fact, all of life is logical. Everything's supposed to make sense. You are defined by your behaviors, and you do that by having a right order. This isn't the way of self-discovery. This is the way of self-discipline. And I really believe it's gaining a resurgence. The Pharisees, we always pit this uh, on religious people. Oh, they're so self-disciplined. We have to do this. We have to show up to church at that. Right? And, and honestly, they live that way. They believe you determine your own outcome. We're not waiting on God to show up. We're not asking God. No, no, no. We have this thing figured out. If I follow the rules, God has to bless me. If I do everything he said, I don't even have to ask him. He must give it to me. This is not the right way to life. Jesus is saying this way also leads to death. There are Pharisees in the crowd there, and he's saying, look, you've missed the whole point. I don't want to preach last week again, but I do, but I won't. So check out last week. That's what we talked about. Wasn't it last week? I know college students, was it? Okay, great. Um, now, what is the way of self-discipline? And how is that falling short as well? How is that way still stealing, killing, and destroying your life? The way of self-discipline says, restriction is my redemption. I guess that one kind of rhymed, so I'll give myself that. So I guess I lied. Don't trust pastors. Um, so, but it also alliterates. Let's move on. Now, restriction is my redemption. What does that mean? So the other group, maybe you're here and say, I may do anything. I'm going to travel the world. And to be honest, I think you're fun to be around. I want to be around you. I vlog. Let's go somewhere. You know what I'm saying? But this other group of people, you actually might have your life together a little bit more, but you believe in this phrase, I must do everything. For me, I, I make or break my own self. Friends, that is a burden none of us can bear. You can't do everything. And it always leads to one of two areas. It either leads to pride you think you are better than everybody else, and nobody likes you. Or despair, you've given up. You, you, you kind of don't want to do life anyway, because 
you've believed this lie that you have to be perfect and you know you're not. We believe, honestly, I think a lot of us, the self-discipline, I would say it's not so much in the religious culture as much as it used to be, but I still think it's very much in the business world. Some of us who don't follow church at all, we still believe this business lie that, look, if I just work hard, I will get everything I want. And guess what? You'll get a lot of what you want, but you will still feel hollow. We adhere to hustle culture. I fall into this all the time. I wake up in the morning, read my word, and I put on some motivational speakers. Come on, Tony Robbins, let's start my day right, right? I'm going to go sell some stuff, even though I hate selling, but after you listen to some of those, I'm going to go sell something. I don't know. Daughter, give me your clothes. We don't need them, right? Right. And so we start to think like we can do it and we sacrifice so much for the paycheck. And here's what we say. My sacrifice is my success. So we forego having a family or if we have a family, we're not around them as much anymore because we believe this lie. Restriction is my redemption. I just have to sacrifice right now because then everything will be perfect. How is that going for you? This is the reality of life. There's a lot of us, I was listening to, don't judge me. I mean, you can, whatever, I don't care. Unless my wife judges me, then we'll have to talk, babe. But I've been listening to a podcast about the Zodiac Killer. Anybody? All right. Um, and I was so, I pitied the people. They Literally, there were people who researched Zodiac so much. If you're here this morning, oh gosh. <laughs> but Jesus loves you. <laughs> um, but I'm terrified. But the Zodiac there was people who literally spent their whole life trying to figure out the answer. They said, my wife divorced me, my kids left me, but it was worth it. No, it wasn't. None of that's worth it. But we believe that. See, for me, when I pursue self-discipline, I wind up with self-disdain. I start to think I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. I've tried. I've failed. You know how many times when I've looked at this church plant and starting this church, I love the amount of times God has humiliated me because I'm like, oh, I work so hard. This sermon's great. People are going to come, and then nobody comes. Our lowest Sunday one time is in the summer, so I blame Satan and hell because it's so hot out. But <laughs> there's 27 of us here, and I thought I had the best sermon ever. And I got up, and I never look at you guys yet because y'all are so late coming to church, so I don't want to stress out. So I'm like, don't look, don't look, Trey, don't look, Trey. I get up. You should have looked, you should have looked. Wow, you know, like looking around. I'm like, all right, God, that, what a reminder. It's not about self-discipline. It doesn't matter how much I prayed that week. God used that to humble me. It's not that, God, you have to bless me because I did all these things. God has already blessed me because of the resurrection. But let's move on to the point because we have to get going. And ah, these ways may avoid the cross of Christ, but they cannot avoid disappointment. You may avoid not surrendering to Christ, but you're actually sacrificing much more. You will always wind up in disappointment, in pain, in depression, in misery, because God has a better way for you. But some of us, we don't believe that. Now, we all choose a way to take them and follow because of our need to fill what is hollow, and that is why so many of us keep following new things, because we know the ways of the world aren't solving it. We just need a little bit more. What I love here, what Jesus says in this passage, is he introduced a whole new way of life. Can I go Greek nerd on you real quick? Not Marcus Aurelius. That was too nerdy for me. But another Greek nerdy stuff. Man, we made a lot of Greeks today. Let's go to a pita jungle after this, huh? Anybody? Okay. Um, that is Greek food, right? Did Marcus Aurelius make? Okay. Um, now, there's two ways. You, there's actually six ways you can say life, but I don't want to confuse you. There's technically two ways in the Greek to say life. Number one is bios, which I imagine you guys would know is biology, right? And life, it's just you, 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 you're, you're, you're born and then you're dead. Bios. That's your life. And there's actually a lot of debate on what 
is, who are we, and what kind of life do we have, and all this stuff. All these worldviews, self-discovery and self-discipline, only play in the lane of bios. We have one life, don't waste it. And you will live, and you will die, and then it will all become pointless. But Jesus, when he says in verse 10 that I have come to give life and life in abundance, what Jesus is saying is Zoe life. I love it, Jackie. She's one of the people we're baptizing today, and their child named Zoe. And I'm always like, do you know what that means? They're like, yeah, you tell us every time you see us. I'm like, but it means life. <laughs> but it means eternal life. It means life through death. It means ultimate fulfillment and meaning. Jesus is saying, I'm, let's read it again. It says in verse 9, um, bah, bah, bah. I am the gate, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, even though they may promise so many other things. That's always the outcome. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus makes it very clear, and that's my only job I have today, to make it clear that Jesus's way of life is the only way to true Zoe life. It's the only way to life full of abundance. It's the only way where you can actually enter that pasture where you do have peace that passes all understanding. The other ways are manipulations of the enemy. I got one more. Point number three, of course, it's another self and then starts with the D. Let's move forward. Um, the way of self-denial says Christ is my confidence. This is the way God is calling us to here in this passage. There is beauty in self-denial. Why? Because we let God be God. And we realize where we fit in the story. God, you, oh, I don't have to control my outcomes. You do? <laughs> I'm in. Oh, I don't have to figure out, like I don't have to pursue every single pleasure. Like there's a way to actually have peace without pursuing every pleasure. I'm in. Oh, I can deny certain things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I won't be free. I'm just denying things that look like freedom to actually truly bring freedom. See, if you believe this way of life, you can say, I don't, you don't say, I must do any, I may do anything. You don't say, I must do everything. You say, Christ can do anything, and Christ has done everything. This is the message of the good news. I love King David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because <gasps> we're putting, oh, I'm denying myself. I'm following him. And then he later on says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we follow the way of self, self-discovery, self-discipline, the self is always in a courtroom and we're never good enough. We're always judged every day. Did we do enough? Did we experience enough? Did we do it right? The beauty of the cross is Jesus did it for you. The beauty is Jesus went to the courtroom in our place. And he was perfect when you and I weren't enough. He did everything that we could not do. Because of the cross, Christ is enough. You don't have to ask yourself, did I do enough? You don't have to ask yourself, did I experience enough great things? Jesus has done it for us. Now the resurrection, because this is what Easter is all about, the resurrection guarantees that Zoe life. If Jesus died and never rose again, then he should have, we should have retranslated this as the bios life, because bios is always constricted. Once death comes, it's over. But the zoe life, the life that's offered to you and to me, is this resurrected life where bios, they try to do as much as possible before death, where zoe life knows our greatest reward is after death. Zoe life doesn't run away from death. Zoe life runs through death. 
And that's the hope that we have. Um, oh man, there's somewhere else in John 10. Uh, John 10, 17 says, this is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. <laughs> that's the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. This is the life that Jesus offers. Therefore, there's no need to discover and distract ourselves from the pains of the world because Jesus dealt with the pain head on. There's no need for us to disdain ourselves, to keep discipline. You just got to get better and better and better because perfection is not your burden to bear. Jesus bore that burden in our place. Are you guys awake? <laughs> Are you with me? I'm almost done, I promise. This is good stuff, though. It's like resurrection. You're like, yeah, it's the seats. They're just so comfortable. Um, so how can I be so confident in Christ? How is this truly the way? How is this way superior to the other ways? Maybe you don't agree with me. Maybe you think, Trey, you're full of stuff. I, maybe I kind of am, but I would argue with you. I think these other ways lead to self-destruction. Self-discovery, self-discipline lead to self-destruction. How is this way different? I think it's in verse 11. Verse 11 says, and Jesus is talking, if you have the red letter Bible, it's in red. I am the good shepherd. I know my, oh, I just read verse 14. <laughs> wow. All right. I was actually right, but they both start with that same phrase. Moving on. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Every other way demands you lay your life down for the way. But the Jesus way, he lays down your life for you. Every other way demands that you die, that you're dead. Like every other way will just take everything from you. But the Jesus way says, yeah, die to self so that you actually have new life. The Jesus way is the only way where the master dies for you. And that's why we have good news. Now, if freedom is your faith, you'll never experience enough. It'll demand your life. It'll demand you continue to take roots and and not to commit to not take roots and not commit to anything. And deep down, you'll always be anxious. Now, if your restriction is your redemption, you'll never be enough. There'll never be enough things to sacrifice. It'll demand your life. You have to keep sacrificing more and more for success. But deep down, you'll know you're a hypocrite. And deep down, you'll know you're still not successful. But if Christ is your confidence, he is enough. He lays down his life for his sheep because he cares for us. And our redemption is not in our restriction. Our redemption is in his resurrection. And our faith is not in just having and pursuing freedom. Our faith is in following him. So how do we respond? And I'm done. I really am done, okay? How do we respond? I think there's three ways that we can access the Jesus way. And I would beg you to contemplate these things. Number one is to repent. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, great. I was waiting for that sign to come up on the corner. Repent, you're going to hell. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is repent actually, I mean, it is, it is a drastic thing. But what I love about repentance, repentance literally means to change your way. So are you following the way of self-discovery? Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This way of self-discovery kills, steals, and destroys. I'm asking you to change your way to self-denial and knowing that Jesus is enough. Repent, change your way. That's just saying to God, I want to change. I don't want to follow self-discovery. I don't want to follow self-discipline. And then believe. So repent, change the way, and believe that Christ really is your confidence. That, that really Jesus is your foundation. That freedom isn't going to give you everything that you think it will. 
That restriction isn't going to give you everything that you think it will. That Jesus is who we need. That Jesus is sufficient. That's what we believe. And the last thing is follow. This one is so fun. So repent, change the way, believe that Christ really is enough, and now follow the shepherd. Follow him. This is why we meet every week, because it's so hard. We said earlier, should we change the batteries? Nah, we should have. <sighs> Follow. Allow the freedom of Jesus to order your life. Now, is there freedom? Amen. But it's through Christ and following his ways. Is there restriction? Sure. But it's an order. It's not so that we get our redemption, but because we're redeemed, we walk in the way that he's given us because we believe in him and we trust in him. I would love for us to respond in several different ways. This beautiful Easter um, this Easter Sunday. This isn't going to work, Shay, because you're going to be singing while I'm doing this. I'm going to take this mic. Thank you. Um, we, wanna, we want you to respond. So actually, there's going to be multiple ways to respond. You notice a bunch of people have gotten up. We want to take communion. Communion is a picture of saying, okay, Jesus, I am denying myself. I'm realizing it's not enough. I, can't, I just can't muster enough strength in me to get what I need. But what I can do is to believe that your sacrifice is enough for me. So if you're a believer, we ask that you, we're going to first pass the bread and then pass the cup. We're going to take it in unison. Don't worry about it yet. But we ask if you're not a believer, just pass it to the next person. Now, Zhang will be down here on the left. We would love to pray with you if you want to believe in Jesus. Friends, there is only one true way. A way that's full of life. And I love the phrase life in abundance, meaning it's this quality of life. It not only gets us to heaven, but it changes the quality of our life that we have here and now. And it's good. It is so good. And I pray that you taste and see that the Lord is good and you take refuge in him.